this morning who's got something to worship about I do too because Jesus is alive we've got something to worship for this morning it's a happy day
we doing this morning? Can we get some oxygen up here? My wife. That was quite a song. Good job. Good job. Well, good morning. I um, want to say welcome to the well. My name is Matt. This is my lovely wife, Danielle. And you know what? We don't want to be strangers, so I'm going to introduce our band up here. So as I said, I'm Matt, Danielle. This is Mike Farrell on vocals and guitar. This is uh, John Smoke on bass. Got Mr. Dwayne Duncan on electric guitar rhythm. Back in the cage there, the animal, Mr. Matt Williams. We've got Sandy Anderson on keys. And then her son, Ron Anderson, on lead guitar. You know, as we enter into worship today, um, we came here early and we, we just prayed as a team as we always do. But my message to the team this morning is, guys, let's not get caught up in the in the technical aspect today because I just want to worship with you guys. You know, I just want to let go and just worship with an incredible team of people so that we can bless you. And we hope to do that this morning. We hope to just let our guards down, break the walls down, and just worship, worship our king. And I share this um, scripture with them out of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, For you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Or I like to say who called you out of the wilderness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I'm just so thankful to be a part of that. And I pray for you today that you can, you can taste what that's like. That whatever you're going through in your life, know that you are a chosen people. God loves you and he created you for a reason. Anybody first time visitor here today to the well? Raise your hand up high. Hey, all right. Welcome. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Welcome, welcome. We're glad you're here. Oh, I can feel it today. Can you feel it? I can stick in here. Amen. I'm going to pray that we're going to continue on. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, God, we love you. We love you so much that you sent your son to this earth to die for my sins, for their sins, for our sins. Lord, as we enter into worshiping, we continue worship today. Lord, just, just come through. Just come through and pierce our hearts. Lord, allow us to surrender to you today. Because it's all about surrender. There's no other way. Just like you surrendered the will of the Father, there's no other way. We have to surrender to you this morning. Father, we love you. We love you so much. This next song. So come. And there's a one of my favorite lines is we wait, we wait for you. We wait, he's coming soon. Father, we know that's true. And we're here waiting for you. Father, fill up this place today with your spirit, Lord. Let our voices shout to the heavens.
Father, we're waiting for you. We are waiting for you. Father, as our hearts search through your word for understanding, we are reminded every single day just how weak we are. God, we just can't do this unless we're in your presence and unless your spirit dwells within us. We're human. We are so human. And God, you are so good and you love to show your strength through mortal men. You love to show your power where we fall short. Oh, fathers, we search the word and we seek understanding. We know we're lost. But in you, we are found, God. You don't just leave us there. You don't just leave us there. Because you said. Yeah. 
That's right. Give him a shout of praise. Thank you, Jesus. We give you the glory. We give you the glory, God, for you are worthy.
Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Huh? That's good stuff right there. I praise the living God. His name is? His name is? His name is? Jesus is so good to us, isn't he? He's worthy to be praised. At this time in the service, we're going to do our offering, and I pray that uh, you would just do as God leads you to do and uh, do whatever he is put on your heart. I just got a couple of announcements before we do that. One is there is a partnership class today. I've had several people ask me, what do I do, do to become a partner or a member of the church? That'll be today at 5 o'clock. Uh, I'm sorry, 6 o'clock. Come and there'll be a short class. It's usually lasts about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. And then after that class, you'll have an opportunity. You're not obligated. You'll have an opportunity to join and become a partner with us, uh, a member of this local body. Uh, we become a member of the church universal by faith, by being born again in the power of the Spirit. But we join this local congregation, this local expression of God's church so that we can minister here and, and community here and, and work together here uh, through this. And, and all it is is uh, a way for us to show you and, and walk through uh, what we really hold to so that you can come alongside and say yes. I see that, I believe that, I affirm that, and uh, I want to do life together. I want to commit to do life together with you uh, here at, at the well. So that's pretty important. So uh, if you would like, come and, and see what's going on there and, and, and uh, see what God would lead you to do. And then there was uh, one other announcement, and that's this Wednesday. Actually, Halloween falls on Wednesday this year. And uh, we don't celebrate evil. We don't, we don't really have any need to do that. We don't have any desire to do that. But what we do desire is to 
take everything and redeem it, redeem the times, as the scripture will say, redeem it and take it and use it for the glory of God. So we'll use any opportunity that we can to glorify Jesus Christ. And while half the world is celebrating evil, we'll celebrate the birth of Christ, take what was meant for evil, and use it for good. Amen? So we're going to have a trunk or treat here Wednesday night, and we'll have the front parking lot roped off. And it's always a really good time. Uh, we have some really uh, imaginative and some really elaborate trunks sometimes. So people will set up and they'll decorate their trunks. And a lot of people wear costumes and so on and so forth. And they just minister to the kids as they come through. And we usually have a lot of kids come through too. So it's a really interesting time, a really uh, beneficial time that we can reach out to our community, minister to a lot of the kids and a lot of the parents that come through and just love on them, give to them, share the gospel with them as much as we can, and just let them know that we're here and that we love them and that we care about them, all right? So let's use every opportunity to glorify King Jesus. We do need more cars, and a lot of times people don't sign up, and they just kind of come and show up, but it would really be helpful if you would sign up after church at the table out here. That way we'd know who to count on. I think right now we've only got five or six cars uh, so there's no bucket groups this Wednesday night, and there's no spout this Wednesday night. So why not come? Uh, we need to have your car here by 5.30 so you can start decorating the trunk. Come and be a part of that. It's a really good way to fellowship with other people in the church and a really good way to minister and to evangelize those that are not part of the church necessarily but might come through and, and just uh, join with us and have some fun with us. So sign up. Let us know you're coming, and come have some fun with us doing that, okay? So with that being said... I want to uh, pray over what God's going to do the rest of the service and over these monies and things that you're going to give so that they would go out and make a big deal out of Jesus because, you know, he's kind of a big deal, right? Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for allowing me to just be a part of this church. I love these guys. I love, God, that you uh, would, would put us together, allow us to worship you and, and acknowledge you as King of kings and Lord of lords, the one true God. We love you. We give our lives to you. We, we offer ourselves as living sacrifices and ask God that you would renew us uh, by the renewal of our mind through the word of God this morning, Lord, as we just open up your word here in just a moment to refresh us, to train us, to uh, encourage us, to correct us, to rebuke us in many ways. God, we trust you uh, with our lives. We trust you with our hearts, God, and we know that you will lead us in the right direction. Lord God, help us to be discerning and wise as the word comes forth, that we might test it against your word, the scripture, and that we might take what is good and take what is reliable and take what is in line with the scriptures and, and let the other pass by, God. I pray, Jesus, that you would bless these offerings, that you would take them and multiply them, send them out to the farthest corners of the earth. But God, right here in our own backyard, too, there's so many in need. Lord, I see it on Facebook, multimedia, I mean, uh, social media, I, I see it all over the place, God. I see it out here on the streets, God. I see it in the relationships that I have, God. I, I see it everywhere. Uh, broken marriages, broken relationships, uh, addiction to work, addiction to sleep, addiction to sex, addiction to drugs and alcohol and so on and so forth. We're addicted to the things of the flesh. I pray this morning, God, that we would see freedom uh, be born through the gospel of King Jesus. I pray that chains would fall off, binders would fall off, and we would hear the uh, ching -a ling a ling of chains hitting the floor. That's what I pray this morning, even audibly, God. I pray that we would hear chains falling off and freedom happening because it was for freedom's sake that you set us free. And we claim that if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. 
So we pray, God, this morning that we would experience freedom from everything that, bond, that, that tries to put us into bondage and everything that entangles us, everything that slows us down, and that we would run the race uh, with endurance, looking to Christ Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Lord, bless this time. Bless everything in Christ Jesus' holy name. Amen. Stand to your feet. We'll move out toward the side. Come down around the front. Give whatever God's laid on your heart. Out of a cheerful heart. And hug somebody, please. Stand up. Stand up, everybody.
All right, could I get uh, our pastors up here, our elders? Can I get those guys up here? Robert, Dustin, Hambone, and Mark. See Hambone. There he is. While the tech guys are working on getting this uh, thing up here. No, I don't want you. I'm preaching today, Mark. Dustin's right there. Ain't none of y'all preaching. I'm preaching today. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> yeah, y'all can't. No, it's my turn. All right. Uh, is as mo- well. Some of you might not know. Um, this month, October is Pastor Appreciation Month, and um, I tell you. These guys right here are, at least by me and I know by, by you as well, appreciated more than they will ever know. Uh, amen? <clears throat> I could not express, I would run out of time uh, trying to express just how much I love them and how much I appreciate them and how grateful I am for what they do in my life, and I know they don't do it for me, but it really benefits me as they serve the Lord. And I'm not going to take forever. These guys know that I love them, um, but but I just want to say this and just kind of point out a couple of things that you may not realize. I've said this before, but um, it's been a little little while. I, I didn't look up the statistics for this year or last year, but I do know that the um, the suicide rate among pastors in the Southern Baptist Conference is astronomical. It, it's, it's really high. Uh, there are a lot of suicides, there are a lot of attempted suicides by pastors who are in single pastor-led congregations. Um, my friend Keith has written a book on, on that very topic, and it's a really good book. You could talk to him about it and uh, um, get that from him, but I but I agree with his opinion that the church is to be a past a, pa- a plurality of pastors led by a plurality of pastors, and I and I see now more than ever. We went to a band of brothers conference when we first started years ago, and I'll never forget sitting in that conference and listening to to these Southern Baptist uh, preachers who were single pastor-led churches. They led, they led single pastor churches. You've, you've heard senior pastor, senior, senior leader. And there will be one pastor, and then he has a board of deacons and so on and so forth. And I'll never forget sitting in that meeting. And the whole, the whole idea behind the conference, it was called Band of Brothers, and it was to uh, connect different Southern Baptist churches, to connect their pastors together so they could create a network of pastors so that they could support one another. And the reason behind that was, it w- at least one of the reasons behind that was, is because the suicide rate is so high among Southern Baptist pastors that they thought, well, maybe if we can get these guys connected together from the different churches, that they could support one another, encourage one another, and it would, it would lower that rate. And I'll never forget that they were celebrating that year that there were only nine suicides that year. Only nine suicides that year. They were really excited about that, wasn't they? It was a gloom and doom meeting. It was, it was, it was rough. And, and I remember sitting there then, and I had, at that time, just Mark and Hambone, and I remember thinking, well, I don't get it. I didn't realize just how much I needed those two 
And as the church has grown, we've added two more great men of God who aren't perfect, but they love Jesus and they pursue him and they love him and they work for him. If you know them, you know that they love Christ and they're pursuing after God. But I want to say thank you to you men. I love you and it makes, it makes my life easier and it makes me less likely to kill myself that you're alive. <laughs> Amen. I'm not even joking. That came out kind of funny. <laughs> but in all reality, you never know how much weight they take off of me. And I know that most of you, a lot of you, grew up in churches where that lead pastor, that, that teaching pastor is expected to do everything. And every time somebody's in the hospital, every time somebody's sick, every time there's an event, every well, I praise God that you men allow me to be me and to breathe and to be a husband and to be a father they visit more than me uh they and i'm just it's just as is i'm just as eager and and feel just as comfortable to say hey i'm out of town this week you preach you preach any any one of them and i praise god for that i love these men and i wanted to make it known publicly you already knew but i wanted to say thank you god or thank you guys to god from the bottom of my heart i love you so much give them a hand and since it is Pastor Appreciation Month, uh, we need to recognize this guy over here, too. Yeah. He ain't got a card, he got mine. Hey, sometimes. This guy, I don't tell him enough. I don't tell him enough. But uh, to see how God has worked in his life and continues to work in his life, as he raises a family that has gotten larger and it has more needs now than it ever has before, as he manages a business and as he leads our church. That ain't easy, folks. It ain't easy. So uh, I just challenge you, as I challenge myself, as I do already, but you need to pray for this guy. Every day, every day. And I've already told you, you need to make sure I need to be on your prayer list, okay? But uh, God be the glory for what he's done, for what he's doing, and what he's going to do through him and through our church. Give God a hand for that. We love you, son. Hold on, Dustin. You're taking my preaching time. No, no. Hey, I, I, don't, I don't, Robert's not going to get to talk, so we're going to, Mark, hold him back, hold him back. Hey, as Brandon mentioned earlier, uh, initially we had the three elders, and then myself and Robert was added on. And before I come on as an elder with these other three guys, I'd always wondered, man, these guys have it made. Brandon's got it made. But soon after I came on, I realized they don't have it made. There's some things that, that, uh, that, that we encountered that you would never realize. But in that, in that there's joy. And I was sitting over here praising while I go. I couldn't think of the joy that came to my heart just by thinking of people that have overcome things through Christ in their life. You know, we've got Donnie, we've got the Williams, we've got Star. These people that were, were down and out, had lost all hope, and the joy of seeing them overcome that obstacle is a blessing for all of us. We'll let Robert end it out and Mark end it out at the end of the service. I do want to pray and thank God for these men. And uh, 
No, you got something you want to say for real? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, Lord, here we go. I'm not going to take long. I'd just like to say thank you to Brandon, too, because I, I know I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for him. And I know it was God through him, but he still gets credit for taking time. I can remember uh, uh, at the fire department, we were had a weight room in the fire department. Me and him started working out, and he don't even hardly remember. But after, I, I used to cuss a lot and carry on, and I would do it in front of him, and he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But after one of the nights, he stood outside and talked to me for about an hour, you know, about Christ and about what God had done for us you know, sending his son, and he shared the gospel with me, and I can remember that, but then he took it a step further. He said, hey, I'm, I'm planting a church. Would you come and uh, be a part of it? We're doing some events and stuff, and I said, uh, Brandon, I just don't do the church thing, and he said, well, uh, please just come and try it, and I said, well, I'll come one time, and that's going to be on Sunday mornings. He said, good, we don't do church on Sunday night anyway, so uh, <laughs> I'll just say this man would get up at four and five o'clock in the morning and do Bible study with me and really poured into me and I, I really appreciate what you've done for me and I love you. Man, I love you too, bro. <laughs> love you more than you know. I give Robert a hard time, you know, because of uh, the microphone and everything else, but truth be told, truth be told, I love it. I, you know what I love is that that man right there, you just give him an opportunity and he will light your ear up. You know why? You know why? Because he's in love with Jesus. And he's in love with the Word. Amen. Hey, I've told you many times in here is that the, the best strategy for evangelism is a, is a man or a woman who loves Jesus Christ. I'm telling you right now. They can't hold it in. They can't hold it in. You, you got to let it out. And that's what, that's what I love about Robert and, and the rest of the guys too. They're excited about it. All right, well, let's get started. I'm eager to preach and get this word out. It's been, it's been like a fire in my bones. I've got to get it out. And so turn in your Bibles with me to the book of James. Uh, we're also going to uh, read the scripture that has been our theme scripture, uh, our uh, scripture that we've read every week. And I'm going to ask Titus to come up. Where's Titus at? He was in here a second ago. Come on. He's going to read it for us. If you can all stand to your feet, please, for the reading of God's word. Hustle up, slow folk. He found him in a desert land, and in the howling waste of the wilderness, he encircled him, he cared for him, he kept him as the apple of his eye. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 32.10. Amen. You going to pray for us? Pray that the word of God is effective. Dear God, please help and make sure that this um, word is effective in a lot of our lives and just help us to have a good service in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, turn in the word of God with me to James chapter 1. <clears throat> I want to talk with you this morning. <coughs> about the wilderness. I want to talk to you about the testing of your faith. Now, we've talked a good bit about this wilderness experience. We've talked about the testing of your faith. We've talked about uh, what happens when you don't seem to have passed the test. We talked about that the last time I preached, not last week, but the week before. We talked about sometimes it seems as if we're failures because we've stumbled in our wilderness. 
Amen. And it may be that as the first sermons of the wilderness experience were coming out, that you may be uh, thinking to yourself, Lord, I'm not doing too good in this. I'm not, I'm not faring too well. I, you know, it may be that I don't have faith. And, and that could be the case. You know, Paul says, examine yourself. I did learn this week that the same word for testing, uh, tempting, Examining is the same word, uh, at least a lot of times. Now, there's some variables that could be used, but that word can be used interchangeably to mean examine, uh, testing. He was tempted, tested, examined, that type of idea. And I want you to think about today uh, this testing experience. Now, we've talked, like I said, a little bit about this testing and how it can be hard, how it can be tough, how it can be... Uh, 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 It can cause you to, to hate God, at, at least for a moment, can it? It can cause you to have feelings of hate toward God anyway. It can cause you anger. It causes anger to rise up in you. It can cause doubt to rise up in you. Because just like the Israelites, sometimes we look and we say, God, how could you do this to me? I have followed you. I have come out here. And now I, I'm, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I'm, I'm hurting. It's dry. And, and God, look at my former life. I had fun all the time. It seemed as if everything was going my way. It was easy. And now, God, I come out here. I'm, I'm going to church. I'm loving you. I'm giving I'm giving myself, I'm giving my money, I'm giving my time, and now, God, look at this. Look what you've done to me, God. Now my life is just hard. It's hard. And it can be easy to look at God and say, why have you done this to me? But it's because we don't have very good perspective. It's because we can't see as God sees. We don't understand God's ways sometimes. His ways are not our ways, His thoughts are not our thoughts. Who can understand the mind of God? And so many times, the only remedy to a broken heart and, an, and, a, and a doubtful heart and a doubtful mind is just simply to trust that He is God and we are not. But Oh my goodness, that's so much easier said than done sometimes. So much easier said than done. We've talked a good bit about that type of testing and temptation. and I, I'm going to talk to you just a little bit, about, a little bit more about that today. And, but I want to move into the uh, part of the last portion of this wilderness experience. And I want to explain this, this, this thought process that, that I've been working through. And it wasn't original to me. Somebody had showed this to me, and I've been testing it for a while, and I think it's, I think it's accurate to the Christian life. Last time I talked to you, I talked to you about stumbling in the wilderness. And what, what do we do when we stumble? What do we do when we fall what you know what does that mean you know does that mean that I have no faith and and we really talked a lot about a lot of the times when we stumble and when we fall that is allowed by God and it's even brought about in some measure and degree by God in order to test you to prune you to sanctify you to take something out of your life so that he can cause you to be who he's called you to be you see here's the thing about suffering persecution temptation and those types of things the unbeliever has no reason to think those things are any good or any any anyhow productive in his life whatsoever but see the believer is in another boat altogether 
The believer understands that his suffering, that his persecution, that his trials have purpose. That's why we don't, even the bad things in life, the seemingly bad things in life are for our good, is what the scripture. We don't hope like other people supposedly hope, but we're different. I want to talk to you about that testing, but I want to move from the realm of how hard it is to what it's meant to produce and how we should think about it. I want to move from what it seems like to what it actually is. And I want to give you, hopefully give you, some concrete things that you can hold on to, to look through, a lens, so to speak, to look through, to see exactly what is going on in your life, and maybe be able to see what God intends to, to do through it. That way, your suffering and your trial, your temptation, your testing, at least can have purpose. Because testing and suffering without purpose is horrible. But testing and suffering and persecution with purpose, well, now that's a whole nother story. Amen? That's a whole nother story. Purpose with an ending and a hope we can suffer well through looking to our hope, looking to the author and the perfect of our faith, who is, who is our hope of glory. Amen? Amen. Okay, so I entitled this sermon, Grip Factory. <laughs> a grip Factory. You'll see why here in just a minute. But, but here's, here's the big idea. Here's the big idea. Is that God, through the trials in your life, through the testing of your life, the believer, through those trials, through that testing, through that temptation, is working out in you perseverance, steadfastness, grit, determination. He is creating in you a greater faith. He is making room in your life to give you more faith which would hold you through even worse conditions and worse circumstances that when you are tested and when you are proven, He would be more glorified. Amen? These trials in your life are just a grit factory. They're making you into a gritty, tough, rugged, reliable, consistent individual. When you're hit in the mouth, it hurts, but you get stronger if, if the situations are right. Now, if you, if you don't have anything supporting you, if you don't have any, anything that's going to carry you, any, any foundation, you need to just get knocked out. But if you have that foundation, oh, it can, it can supply in you the fortitude to keep on going. Well, Grit Factory, we're going to be looking at James chapter 1, verses 2 through 3. I want to remind you of some things that we have uh, looked at in uh, the past sermons. God's purpose for the wilderness is to empty, prepare, test, and send you to the garden. Uh, now, what we've said is that all of this happens in order to prepare you for cultivation. Cultivating. You are called to be cultivators. We know that from Genesis. Then the fall happens, we're corrupted, but Jesus Christ came to redeem us and to make in us, create in us a clean heart, create in us a renewed spirit that we might be restored to the place he originally intended for us, and that is to be cultivators of the kingdom of God. Amen? 
So that's where we're going to. We need to quit sitting and, and, and mourning and, oh, woe is me. But we need to say, God, okay, it's hard, it's tough, but I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to, I'm going to lean into it even, and it's going to be a, a nightmare for a while, maybe so. But I will hope in you, I will glory in you, and when I come out on the other side, I'll be a Jesus Christ evangelizing machine. Amen? Kingdom cultivators, that's what God's calling us to. But now it's hard to get planted over and over. It's hard to get, get trimmed and pruned over and over. It's tough. It's tough, right? But there's purpose behind it. Amen. The question is that we've asked several times, how have you been faring in your wilderness experiences are you submitting to God's emptying you? Are you embracing his preparation? Are you passing the test? Are you ready to be sent? See, most of you want to be sent and you want to experience rest, but you're not willing to put in the time working out your own sanctification with fear and trembling, knowing that God is at work and you both are willing to work for his good pleasure. Most of you don't want to put the time in to pass the test, but you want to be sent out as if you've already passed the test. It's the mentality of our culture. We want everything, but we're not willing to work for it. You say, hold on, he's, he's talking about works righteousness. No, I'm not. I'm talking about a faith that's worked out in your righteousness that was given to you by Jesus Christ. I'm talking about a faith that works. Because G, but James said that a faith without works is a dead faith. It's a dead faith. You are to work. You are to go. You are to press. You are to cleanse. You are to do all of these things. You see, we want the reward, but we want to go through the, the work it takes to get there, the, the fortitude and the, and, the, and the determination that it takes to get there. Well, let's move on. Here's the question for this week, and this will be in the uh, bucket groups this week. Ask yourself this. Have you been upset with God lately for your trials and your testing? Have you been upset with God lately for your trials and your testing? Good question, right? Sometimes we just need to recognize where we are. You know, we, we might say with our mouth, no, I'm a Christian. I trust God in everything. But with our actions, you know, we are saying to God, I don't trust you. I don't like the fact that you're doing this in my life. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to deal with this, you know, God, until you back off of me, I'm backing off of you. You know, you say that with your actions. You, you can say it in ways like when something hard hits, you back off from reading the word of God. And in your mind, you just feel like, well, God ain't working through the Word anyway. Why should I read it? That's not trusting God in your trial. That's blaming Him. That's being mad at Him. Well, I'm not going to pray to you. Why would I pray to you, God? You're you just, you just allowing me to go through this anyway. And the whole time, God's saying, look, I'm trying to teach you something here. Just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. Have you been upset with God lately for your trials and your testing? Listen, you don't need to be upset with God for your trials and your testing. You need to, you need to embrace these. You need to embrace these, and you need to ask more questions like, God, what are you trying to teach me through this? God, what, what did this hurt? This hurts. Can you give me a reason for my pain? Can you, can you show me the purpose in my pain? Can you show me the purpose in my discipline or the purpose in my testing? Can you show me the purpose in this? Well, after we ask that question, and we kind of, because you know it, you know, you don't, sometimes we don't even realize that we're, that we're being upset with God. We should ask, how should we feel about the trials and tests in our life? Remember, we said it over and over and over again. We don't need to trust our heart. We don't need to trust our, our ideas. We don't need to try, trust our opinions. But we need to go to the Word of God to get uh, the reality of and the truth of how we should actually feel, right? So our heart and our minds often say, well, God must not love you because of this test right here. God must not love you because of all of these things. Well, let's go to the Word of God, and let's let the, the Word of God inform our minds. Amen? 
Let's let it change our minds. Let's let it tell us how we should feel, okay? The, the feelings and emotions are running our country, and it's leading us straight to the toilet. It's, does anybody agree? Well, can I get an amen? Come on, this is a two-way street here. Lord have mercy. Emotions are running our country. Emotions are running our culture. Emotions are running everything around us, and it's leading us to a terrible, terrible, terrible place, right? Well, I just feel like, well, I don't really care what you feel like. Let's go to the Word of God. And, and listen, I'm not being mean to you. I don't really care how I feel either, right? At least I shouldn't. You know, my emotions run away with me sometimes too. But we shouldn't care how we feel unless our feelings line up with the Word of God. Well, let's go to the Word of God and let's ask the question, how should we feel about the trials and tests in our lives, okay? How many of you are going through or have been through a trial or a test in the last month? All right. It's tough, right? Life's tough sometimes. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's look at James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Okay. So it reads this way, and you know this scripture. You've read it millions of times, I'm sure, thousands, whatever. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness <clears throat> have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, we know this scripture, and we've quoted it many times but today, I want to get toward the end of these verses in, instead of toward the first of these verses. So bear with me if I move kind of quickly through the first section of it because I know you already know that you should count it all joy, right? How many of you, didn't, you never knew that, that you should count it all joy when, you're, when you encounter various trials? Most everyone here knew that you were supposed to do that. You know, most everybody knows. You've heard that scripture, or you kind of know, hey, God's in control, so even in the bad times, I should trust, right? Well, <clears throat> let's, let's touch on that just for a minute, and then we're going to move on. So, <clears throat> count it all joy. So there it is. Black and white, plain and simple. How should we feel? We go back to that. How should we feel about trials and tests in our life? How should we feel about them? You know, my mind's telling me one thing. I'm getting aggravated at God. I'm getting frustrated. I'm getting down. I'm getting depressed, you know. I'm getting to a state of hopelessness, and I want to run away and hide somewhere or uh, drown my sorrows in a bottle or snap them away with some pills or go to work. You know, we're always talking about drugs and alcohol, but, hey, we can lose ourselves in work and escape the, the world through work. That's, a, that's just as much a functional Savior. We can lose ourselves in money. We can lose ourselves in, in relationships. We can lose ourselves in many ways, right? So, but how should we feel about it? Should we let it drive us to devastation and to hopelessness? I don't know. Let's look at the Word of God. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. So we should count it all joy. We should count it all joy. So, number one, we should be full of joy when we encounter trials and testing. Amen? Number one, write that down. It's very simple, but I want you to write it down. Writing helps. We should be full of joy when we encounter trials and testing. Now, the big question here, though, is... Okay, how do you do that? You know, that's the first thing that's on my mind because that's a tough thing to do, right? As a matter of fact, if you go around telling people, say, well, I just love it when I hit trials. People are going to think you're stupid. They're going to be ticked off, and they're going to be like, stupid, super Christian. You know, get out of my face, super, stupid, super Christian, right? Say that three times fast, stupid, super Christian. Let's do it together. Say it, say it real fast with me. One, two, three, stupid, super Christian. What? What did you even say? Do it one more time. One, two, three. Stupid super Christian. See, you just, I can't stand those super, super Christians. I mean, super, super Christians, right? Whatever. 
No, no, no. So the, the big question, though, is, like, right, a lot of people fake it till they make it, right? So you see these super Christians, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm so happy. And at home, they're like, eh, 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 you know, you, you're just so, so sad, but uh, you feel like you've got to put on this face. And a lot of the times, it's the result of a religious institution. It really is. And I'm not saying we've never been there, right? Right? You go to a religious institution, and I pray to God we never turn into that, and when we start to ease that way, somebody better back that thing up, right? Because a religious institution will try to make you conform to the ways of man and not the things of God. In a religious institution, everybody looks a certain way, so you've got to fulfill the obligation to look a certain way. So even when you're down and out and you're struggling, you still got to do like this. Which means that no one can help you because you, one, they don't want to come around you because you look so stupid, right? <laughs> but two, it means that you're faking them out, right? You needed help going right, but they thought you were going left. So you're like, as Asher would say, Asher, his first year playing football, he's playing tag football, it's so cute. <laughs> he can't hit yet, even though he's humongous, right? He's, he's like the biggest five-year-old I've ever seen. I asked Ty, he plays uh, quarterback on his team, such a proud daddy, you know? And I asked Asher the other day, he's humongous. I asked him, I said, you're going to, I said, when you get out there, dude, you got to smoke them, right? Because he just got to get away from them because he can't be tech. He said, I'm not going to smoke them, daddy. I said, dude, you got to smoke them. He's like, I'm not going to smoke them, daddy. I said, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to juke them and then I'm going to smoke them. <laughs> just like that, too. I was like, my boy, <laughs> right? I was so excited. I don't even know why I told you that story. But no, no, no. Oh, yeah, it was because of juking. So, so you needed help because you went right, but nobody knew you went right because you faked a left. Because you put on a stupid smile. And, and I got to go on. I wasn't planning on saying all this, but here's one more thing. And I, I want you to, I know it's hard to let people in. And I'm not, telling you to let, I'm not telling you to let everybody in because some people in this crowd are untrustworthy. I hope I didn't hurt anybody's feelings, but I know in a crowd this large, somebody in here is untrustworthy, okay? I pray to God we get to a place where everybody's trustworthy. I do. But not everybody in here is trustworthy. But I'm not, I'm not telling you to open yourself up to the whole entire church or everybody in this room. I'm not saying that, okay? Okay? But find somebody who you know loves Jesus and who you know loves you and open yourself up to them. Open yourself up. Because the, the Word of God is... is, is, is it's breathed out. It's breathed out by him. Every, every word is breathed out by God. It's good for what? It's good for training in righteousness. It's good for rebuke. It's good for everything. It's good to, to, to make you that whole person that God longs for you to be, that we may be equipped for every good work. So you need to open yourselves up. You need somebody to see the dark side. And I know that you've probably done that before or started to and been shunned by the religious institution but you can't, you can't put that on everybody, and you can't walk away from what God is calling you to just because somebody else messed up. Okay? You've got to let somebody see you because here's the truth. This last thing I'll say on this, i got to move on. But if you put on that face, if you put on the facade, if you put on the mask, even when you're loved, deep down you know you're not loved, but they're just loving to fake you. Did that register? When you put on the, the dog and pony show and when you put on the mask and when you dress up and you act like somebody else, you can't even accept the love that's trying to be given to you because deep down you know that they're loving the other you and it's not even really you. 
So you can't even accept that love. That's a lonely place to be. So at least when you expose yourself for who you really are, yes, some people are going to walk away from you. Some people are going to shun you. I get it. But there's some that won't. There's some that love Jesus. There's some that, that understand that we too were once sinners, that we too were once condemned, that we too uh, were, were in our sins. And God forgave. There's some who will look at you and say, look, that's not right. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to love you because God loved me and God forgave me. See, that, that, that is possible then. So we should be full of joy when we encounter trials and testing. But this will only happen through faith. It will only happen through faith. Listen, write this down. Write this down. Joy and testing is the result of rightly placed faith that's resting. Joy and testing is the result of rightly placed faith that's resting. And you might say, hold on a second, what does that mean? I'm going to unpack that for you because we need to slow down a little bit. In our Christian walks, in our Christian faith, we need to slow down a little bit. You see, we're trying to be a Christian, but we need to be in Christ, okay? We need to stop doing sometimes and just be who God's called us to be. We need to rest in Christ and stop trying to formulate different things and stipulations and, and programs in order to feel good about ourselves. Does that make sense? We need to just rest in Christ. Joy in testing is the result of rightly placed faith that's resting. And you say, where did you get that from? Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. i got to move just a little quicker. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verses 1 through uh, 16. I'm only going to, yeah, let's, let's read them. <laughs> and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not, pro did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is crucial, crucial. He says, uh, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, watch this, verse 5, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. There's rightly placed faith that's resting in the power of God and what he has done. And what is the power of God? It's the demonstration of his love towards sinful man through Jesus Christ coming and dying on the cross in our place for our sin, for the redemption of sins. Amen? Amen. That's the power of God. And when we put our faith in anything else, it is going to waver. It is going to fall. Verse 6. I'm going to show you, though. Now, remember our question. Remember our question. How do we count it all joy when we encounter these trials? How do we do that? And we said joy and testing is the result of rightly placed faith that's resting. So in order to count it all joy, you've got to have your faith in the right place, and it's got to be resting in Christ and in Christ alone, which is the power of God. But I want to show you something here. Verse 6, yet among the mature, yet among the mature we do not impart wisdom, although it is not, I'm sorry, back up, verse 6, I'm getting a little, whew, whew. verse 6. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. That's an amazing statement. 
None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared, remember this statement, this part of this phrase, for those who love him. We're going to come back to that in a second. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. These things have been revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. That we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we, listen to what Paul says, and we impart this in words not taught by So there's the Word of God. We impart this through words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Did you, did you hear what I just said? The, the natural person who is not born again, the natural person who does not have faith, the natural person who does not have the Spirit is unable to understand the things of God. He cannot consider it joy because he cannot see it even though it's right in front of his own very face. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. In so many words, this is what that means. Joy and testing is the result of rightly placed faith that's resting. Here's the deal. When you are born again by the power of the Holy Spirit, when you are granted a measure of faith, when you receive the gift of faith and you receive the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, he opens up your mind, he opens up your eyes to be able to look at the world and be able to have reality uh, come into focus in a way that the natural person cannot see. And when things come against you, when trials hit, when testing comes, your spiritual lenses and your spiritual glasses will allow you like a super superhuman to be able to look at the circumstances to be able to look at the trials and say I know who you really are I know what this is really all about and you may have come against me to hurt me but God be the glory I am going to be made better through this I am going to be sanctified through these trials I am going to be made into who God originally planned for me to be do you see the power do you see the confidence? Do you see the altogether otherness that the man of God, that the woman of God walks in? Do you see it? When you walk in the power of God Almighty, when you walk in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you walk in the power of the Spirit, you are superhuman. You are altogether other. You are supernatural, and you can do things other people cannot do. That's the word of God. I stand by it. Amen. You look at all these things and everybody else is cowering. Everybody else is, 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 is whoa, me. everybody else is, I can't. And you look at it and you say, yeah, it's going to hurt. Yeah. I'm not going to like it. Not every part of it. But you know what? You're not going to kill me. You're only going to make me stronger. You know? That's the type of, and that's not, that should never be arrogance. 
It should never be proud. People, people think that, that, that I know people say I'm arrogant sometimes, I, and I can fall into that. But, I, dang, I ain't trying to be arrogant. I'm just trying to realize who I am and walk in it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's not arrogance. That's reality. I mean, come on. I mean, you're a child of the one true king. We go around saying, I'm a child of the one true king. Well, I'm a man of God. What was it? I heard Donnie said that. Donnie said that. Donnie, where are you at? Raise your hand. Somebody told me, Donnie said, we need to stop, we need to stop saying so many times that we, we children of God. We just said we men of God. Amen. Well, Paul was the one who said when I was a child, I thought I was a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. I don't understand why it would be arrogance to say I'm a man of God. I walk in the power of Jesus Christ. Come at me, dog. You know? I don't understand. Right? Right? That's not arrogance. That's, that's actually, look, I got nothing good in me. I've told you my testimony 5,000 times. I am nothing without Christ. I have no righteousness of my own. He's taken me back just a few years. Apart from Christ, I'm nothing. Apart from Christ, I'm a meth head. Apart from Christ, I'm a drug addict. Apart from Christ, I'm a deadbeat nothing. But with Christ, I cannot be defeated. And I won't. Dang, I won't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit down because you're like, you shouldn't be so confident. That gummit, my king won. Dang. Why would I be sitting over here like, oh, woe is me? I read the end of the book. Dang. God. All right. Let's settle down a little bit. I want to show you this right here. I want to show you this right here. This has really helped me understand the Christian life, right? It's this acronym. It's called FAIR. And I had somebody show me this a long time ago, a man of God. I love him dearly. I don't get to spend as much time with him as I have before. But he showed me this. He said, Brandon, he said, because I was talking to him about how this testing process, the same idea, the wilderness, right? We get in these wildernesses, and we're just, we're overwhelmed, and we're like, oh, go on, man. I thought I was in one place, and here comes this trial, and here I am in another place. <clears throat> he said, man, you know that's how God sanctifies, right? And now, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it, but I'm not telling you that you should be glad when you're sinning. That's not what I'm saying whatsoever. But what I'm telling you is, is that in your Christian walk, you know those mountaintops and valleys that we're always talking about, Right? Well, that is really not mountaintops and valleys. It's a process by which God is sanctifying you and perfecting you. And instead of mountaintops and valleys, it should be really viewed as circles like this. Because what happens is, let's look at this fair. This is, just, this is not in Scripture explicitly, but this is a good way just to put it out so you can understand it. This is the process that God goes through, and it can be seen in many different ways. You can look at it in uh, the agricultural process by which seeds grow. Jesus Christ said, you know, unless a seed goes into the ground and dies, it cannot produce. Well, here's how this goes. So a person is granted faith. You've given to get to faith. Well, after that faith is given, you then encounter adversity or testing. Okay, temptation, these trials. Well, once that trial hits, that trial is given so that the faith can be tested. Well, once the faith is proven, then you enter into a season of rest. How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? Usually people understand the season of rest and the season of expansion as the mountaintops and the season of adversity as the valleys. That's why we do like this. 
But what happens in the adversity, what happens in the valley, will determine what type of expansion comes. So the whole principle of uh, reaping and sowing and all these types of things, to whom much is given, much is required, to all these things, that those can be trusted with a little or entrusted with more, right? Well, that's how all this stuff works. So you're granted a measure of faith. This adversity comes. You're hit up against this trial and this testing. And depending on what you do with Christ in that moment of trial and testing, depending on how your faith is and where your faith is, and if you rest in Christ in order to overcome the adversity, then you're granted rest from that trial, just like Elijah when he laid up against the broom tree and Christ came along and fed him the bread. That was his moment of rest and his moment of expansion. When he went to the mountain of Horeb, that was his expansion. God showed him more, right? And so the believer's life, they give, they're given faith. They're then coming to this season of wilderness or, or adversity. And once they've been tested and they've been proven to be true, then they're given rest and they're given more and once you've been given more you've been given a greater measure of faith well then comes the testing again to test the the, the uh, portion of faith that you were given then and so the adversity gets bigger but you can handle it because you've got more faith what I'm telling you is this I don't know if that made any sense to you but here's what I'm telling you one I don't think the adversity is ever going to stop. It's never going to stop. It's never going to stop. It will transform. It will transition. And it will look different. But it's never going to stop. But neither is your growth, the growth of your faith. If you're a true child of God, he keeps and, 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 and holds those who are his. He carries them through the adversity, gives them rest, and he expands them. So your test today is not the same as your test yesterday. Amen, brother? How many times, and even in my own life, have I talked to the, the one who was on drugs, and when he first became a Christian, he was struggling with these addictions, big, huge, obvious addictions. God set him free, overcome, gave him a measure of faith, a test came, passed it with flying colors, got faith, baby, he rested, he expanded. More is expected of him. Now the test that could give granted more faith. Now the test that comes, you would think would be easier because it's not as obvious. So he's not struggling with crack or meth or, or anything like that anymore. But he's struggling with smaller, seemingly smaller sins. Sins of the heart. Sins of the mind. Which are they, let me, let me ask, are they smaller than the bigger ones? Uh-uh. No, no, no. You see, it's easy to, and some of you who may be addicted to drugs, and, I, and I'm very aware that some in here may be. Some of you who are addicted to drugs, you're like, yeah, right, that's not as big of a problem as what I've got. You just, yeah, not there yet. The big obvious sins are easier because they're right there. They're obvious. Everybody knows about them. They can call you on them. They can rebuke you for them. But boy, you get a sin that you can hide really well. Not quite the same. You can hide it, you can mask it, you can cover it up. And we go all the way back to that facade. Oh, man, I'll show, you show me a man or a woman who has been given, granted a measure of faith. They overcame some stuff in their life, some obvious stuff that everybody could see, right? And then they, they came to this place of rest and expansion. They've got this great faith. And then the testing comes, and they're tested on an inner level. 
with, with thoughts and lusts, and, and you then uh, find them in a sin that can be done behind closed doors, and now you've got a recipe for disaster because they can put on the, the image of, 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 of glory. They can put on the image of righteousness. They can put on a, a facade of, of, of holiness, and they got to keep it up. they got to keep it up, but they're dying on the inside. Oh, they're dying on the inside. Okay, well, we may only get to the F today. I want to talk a little bit more, though. I got a few more minutes. I got a few more minutes. What you laughing at, dog? Okay. Let's ask this question. Let's ask this question. Why should we count it all joy when we are tested or meet adversity? Why should we count it all joy when we are tested or meet adversity? Well, the the Scripture tells us very plainly. James chapter 1, verse 3. Let's go over there. James chapter 1, verse 3. Pull it back up here. The The verses say, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. It's a grip factory. That's what the whole thing was about. It's a grip factory. How many of you, you want to be tough? You want to be, you want to be uh, steadfast, long-suffering. You want to be an immovable object. You want to be anchored in the Lord Jesus Christ. And no matter what comes your way, you can stand like a pillar of Jesus Christ. How many of you want that? Uh Uh-oh. Because you know how you get it. I'm just saying, you know, I just read it. I'm like, basically, I just said, who wants to be tested? And you guys are like, I do. You see how, you see, you, you need confidence. You don't understand. You don't need arrogance. Lord have mercy, you don't need arrogance. It will put you in the dirt because you cannot do it in and of yourself. Listen, I understand John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing, nothing. So I'm not standing up here saying, be confident. Do what you're supposed to do and you'll be anchored. No, that's not saying that. I'm saying if you want to be anchored, then you've got to be tested. And if you want to pass the test, then realize you can do nothing to pass the test, and you put all of your faith in Jesus Christ and totally rest in him. Right? Put all of yourself, put all of your faith, put all of your eggs in that one basket, Jesus Christ. Okay, well, write this down. Write this down. It's just a good way to, to put, put that thought in one basket. Adversity and testing... Builds grit and leads to resting. Adversity and testing builds grit and leads to resting. Now, I came here this morning with a couple of thoughts. I, I had a well, I had a hope that I would get to the R today, resting, because I want to I want to share this resting with you guys. I do. I think it's time for us to move from the testing into the resting. But I I I knew I think that God had other plans today, and I didn't think I would get too far in this. So we're going to end here. I want, you to, I want you to think about these things. I, I, and I think, that, I think it's right, uh, the timing, uh, I mean, that right now I think most of us, and, and, and we in general, are in a time of testing. We're in a time of trial, but 
I do see glimmers, and I see um, seasons of rest that are approaching. I, I, I really don't think that we should live for the resting completely. But I do agree that I love to see it coming. I mean, I don't think anybody just loves to be tested. Some people do. They're weird. Like Charlie Edwards, you know. He, he, I'm talking about working out now. He just loves to put himself into the most brutal pain that he can possibly imagine. I'm like, dude, you're weird. I don't think most people just aren't eager to be tested. Although some are better than others at embracing it, owning it, and waiting patiently for that rest that's coming. But I think that God had us in here for a reason. And turn over with me to 1 Peter uh, chapter 4. And, and when you turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, I'm going to read there in just a second. But I want to go back to something that Matt said earlier. He didn't even know. <coughs> But here's what we'll roll over into in the coming weeks. But you're a cho- you, you turn to uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. And if you want to hold your finger there and turn back over to 1 Peter chapter 2, that's okay too. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says this. But, when you, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Now, I don't want anybody to ever tell me I'm too confident again. I don't, I don't understand. I mean, what's too confident? Well, just look at that. Ha, ah, dang. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, four attributes of those who believe in Jesus Christ and a purpose that they're given. How can anybody live in too much confidence when you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart? I mean, how can you do it? How can you be too confident? How can you not just walk around in the world and saying, what are you doing over there? You're going to come over here one way or the other. What are you doing over there? And all that hopelessness, all of that filth, all of that disgust, there's a better way. There's a better way. There's a man who came. His name was Jesus. He wasn't just a man, but he was the God-man. There was a man that came and lived a perfect life, died a sinless death to fulfill all the requirements that you owed to God. There was a man that came that paid all of your sin debt so that you might have a right relationship with God. Did you know it? There's a man who came that not only will cleanse you from the evil, but will pour in righteousness like you've never seen. Did you know that there was a man who came, his name was Jesus, that took you out of the pit and put you on the throne? Did you know, did you know that there was a man named Jesus, he was the God-man, that he came to be sin, even though he knew no sin, that we might become the very righteousness of God. Do you really believe that? Do you really rest in that? Because if you rest in that and you believe that, you walk around this place like, like you're walking above everything. Like you're walking, not above people, not above, but that, like you're untouchable. 
untouchable. And even though the world comes against you, even though, even though the rains come and the floods rise and they pound on that house. See, we, we like the word. It's, it's nice. The word's nice. It's cool ideas and good advice. Do we really believe the word of God? Do we really believe the word of God? What shall separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? Neither life nor death nor angels or demons or powers or principalities. Nothing high, nothing low, nothing in the middle, nothing over there. Nothing shall separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Why are we not fearless? We're going to talk about the resting and the expansion next week. Now turn over with me. Oh, we're one more thing right there that I missed. Watch this. Holy nation of people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light out of the wilderness. What's the translation he used? How many of you would love to come out of the wilderness for a little while at least? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Listen, it's coming. Hope has never failed. Hope has never waned. Hope has never went away because his name is Jesus and he never fails. He's the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. He will never fail. Hope is here. His name is Jesus. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. This will be the last thing. Stand to your feet, please. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 18. Read like this. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Do you hear me, Titus? Did you hear that verse? Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also be, uh, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Amen. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the, and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Listen, we're going to move to rest next week expansion but in this time and in this season of testing in this season of temptation in this season of of groaning after the things of God you know I want you to do this for me this week I want you to look through the reality and the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ I want you to look on those things that are coming after you, those things that are testing you, those things that are beating you down. I want you to look at them, and I want you to live intentionally, okay? I'm speaking this to myself, too. I want you to live intentionally, and I want you to look at those things. I want you to tell them, 
Tell them right to their face, you have no authority over me. You have nothing on me. I am a child of the king. I am a man of God. I am a woman of God. Be gone from me. Be done with me. Do whatever you came to do because nothing can happen to me outside of the hand of God. And when you get finished, and when you get finished, I want you to look to God. And I want you to tell God, thank you. I want you to tell him, thank you, God. And I want you to be joyous. I want you to thank him and praise his holy name. Tell him, say, God, thank you for this trial. Thank you, God, for this trouble in my life. Because I know without it, I would not be who you want me to be. Amen? That's the truth, people. I just showed it to you from the Word of God. Without that trial, without that trouble, you could not have the faith that God wants you to have. You could not have the grit, and you could not have the determination. And I want you to own that, too. Did I show you that from the Word of God? It wasn't my opinion, was it? Did I show you from James chapter 1? Did I not show you from James chapter 1? That the, that the trials in your life, the testing in your life, are meant to produce perseverance, steadfastness, grit. Well, why not say, God, I don't understand this thing. But I thank you for what it's producing in me. I ask him, say, say, will you help me to see the steadfastness and the good results and the fruit from what you're doing in my life? Because, God, it seems as if it's too hard to bear. But if you'll show me, God, and if you'll bring it to my mind, and you'll give me that gospel lens, and you'll bring me to the understanding of who you really are, then I can rest in that faith. Then I can rest in Christ. you got to spend time with the people of God. And with that time and with that faith, adversity, rest, expansion, faith, adversity, rest, expansion, faith, adversity, rest, expansion, he's just making you bigger and better, bigger and better, greater and greater, not in yourself, but in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all for him. It's for your good and his glory. Lord Jesus, I pray this morning as the word of God has gone forth, I pray, God, that, that, that I would know myself, that they would know, and that it would be true. That I boast in nothing but the cross. But in the cross I do boast. Because everything comes to where it needs to be at the cross. Every sin was paid for at the cross. Every sin, every thought was nailed to the cross. And there is nothing that remains but the life that I now live is hidden with you in glory. And God, that's the life I'm going to choose to live. I pray to God that I would walk in the newness of life and not in the old ways. I pray to God that I would put off the old man and step into the new, that I would be who you've called me to be. Lord God, I pray for this time of testing that it would be as beneficial as it could possibly be. And the fruit that would come out is a great rest and a great expansion where we just blow up in this place. Bring us to where you want us to be. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Come and do business with God. The front is open. I want you to pray. I want you to repent. I want you to talk to the Lord about what's going on in your life and come to the realization that He never fails and nothing happens by mistake. Let's do business with God. I'll be here if you need somebody to pray with you.
as we move into next week. I'm excited. You know, bring a friend because I know I was just talking to Heather for a second even while we were down there. You know, talking a lot about being in adversity and being in testing, and I think a lot of us are. But many of you know what I'm talking about, and you're excited to me to, for me to get to next week because you're in a you're in a season of rest, you know, a season of expansion, and you're like, yeah, you know, I, I can't wait for people to experience what I'm experiencing right now. And you've been you've been through adversity, but rest and expansion is a really good place too. I want I want to I want to unpack that a little bit next week and I want to get excited about that next week too and I want to give you just a little picture of it you know what it's like because see just because you're in a season of rest doesn't mean that the adversity stops no as a matter of fact a lot of the times the adversity increases but as your faith grows you're able to rest in the midst of an even greater adversity, which is a greater demonstration of God's glory and God's sufficiency, which glorifies Him even more. I'll give you an example, and we're going to go. Remember the story. Now, there's no accidents in God's Word, right? So everything is a picture. You remember the story when they were out on the seas, and they're going from one uh, shore to another, and Jesus is in the boat. And there's this storm arises, and it's just, and remember, these are professional fishermen. They had seen the worst of the worst, right? Well, Jesus is laid up. He's snoozing. He's sound asleep, laid out. And all the others, professional fishermen, seamen, they are there. They know what the boat's like. They know how to operate it, and they're terrified. So it had to be severe. The boat had to have been about to capsize because they, they said, Do you not care that we're going to die? And Jesus gets up and he says, O ye of little faith. O ye of little faith. You see, he was resting soundly, not because his storm had stopped. That's good, and if you can't see it, you're crazy. He is not resting because his storm had stopped. He was resting because his faith never stopped. Ooh. Ooh. Dang, huh? That's good, babe. That was, hey, that was you. That was all. Heather's word, right? Okay. Let's talk about that. That's the type of rest. That's the type of faith that I think God is calling us to. Faith that is the type of faith that when that storm comes, you ain't worried about it. You ain't worried about it. Lord Jesus, give us that type of faith. Give us that type. Please. We don't have it in of ourselves. We can't drum it up. We can't manufacture it. There ain't even nothing good in us, God, except you. And so if you'll give it to us, we'll have it. So we pray for a greater measure of faith, a faith that will move mountains, a faith that will sleep the night through while the storm is raging. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have a great week, guys. Woo! Amen, amen.